listening to The Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema with Big Willie and the Samurai, bringing class to trash since 1977. All right, everybody. Welcome to the GGTMC. We are back. We are back from Whorehound Weekend. This happened recently. Yeah. So we were one week uh, removed from that. Uh, seven days and sad and sadness has set in. <laughs> it set in like the day after, but it's been sadness ever since. So, And we're just getting over the hangover. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know certain people really are, probably. <laughs> Woo. Yeah. Some of us, uh, by their own admission, ended up with vomit stains on the back of their shirt. Yeah, I don't know how that happens, but... Uh, Nor do I. That's intense. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about that in a few minutes here. We are uh, back. We got our Diabolic DVD-sponsored episode this week. Um, And it was my time, my, my time, my turn to select. My time sounds okay, too, I guess. Yeah. Um, And I chose... Uh, well, I, I tried to. I always try to be as different as possible when I completely program a show, and I think I did a pretty good job this time. <laughs> and you succeeded this time. <laughs> <laughs> I chose uh, 1932's Island of Lost Souls. We'll be reviewing the uh, Criterion Blue of that, and 1983's, I think, Joysticks. Also the Criterion Blue. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, that should be... <laughs> Interesting. So uh, we don't do a whole lot of uh, out-and-out comedies on the show, um, but uh, this one's very GGTMC in spirit in a lot of ways, so it should be fun to talk about. <laughs> It'd be interesting to talk about. Kind of fun to do those every now and then, mix it up. It's definitely a midnight yeah. movie, to say the least. Um, but yeah, that's what we are reviewing, and we want to thank Diabolic DVD as well, as always. They've been great to us, and get over there and buy some stuff, guys. Yes, very good stuff. Very good selection, and certainly reasonable prices. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Sounds like you're getting some pills ready. You know it, man. It's back <laughs> pill time. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so let's get into what we've been watching. Cool. Um, let me see here. It's kind of almost <laughs> been like two weeks, really. I yeah, think, but in a way. fuck, you'd think it was one with the amount I've watched. Yeah, you would with me too. <laughs> Two, three. Wow, three films. Jeez, not much at all. Um, so I watched three films. Um, one of them was a rewatch. Uh, Netflix instant. I was just in the mood for something seventies, so I decided to rewatch Bucktown. Yeah, Fred the Hammer, Our Matron Saint, Pam Greer. Um, you know, it's it's a bit of a dream team up with those two. It's uh, you know, it's not bad. I don't think it's it's as great as I remember it. Um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, there's definitely better entries in the genre, but it's it's still worth a watch. Netflix instance, so, and Pam looks fucking radiant. Yeah, I, pu uh, I publicly hit Pam up on Twitter last night asking for an interview. We'll see how that goes. Oh boy. <laughs> I got butterflies when you said that, man. I know I was a little, I was a little worry to do it, but uh, I'm gonna give it a shot. See what happens. What do we got to lose nothing. Yeah, I got nothing to lose, or we got nothing to lose. So I'm, I feel like you know what? What the hell? Yeah, definitely. 
definitely. Oh, good stuff. Very good. That's an understatement. I got butterflies in my butterflies. Um, next up, I watched uh, another ESPN 30 for 30. I don't know if you've seen this one, 40 Minutes of Hell, the Nolan Richardson one. Yeah, I've seen that one. Okay, it was pretty good. Uh, some stuff I didn't know. Um, you know, Richardson came from a pretty rough background. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, poor guy. He really hard, you know, raised by his grandma. I think both his parents died when he was very young. And uh, he grew up in Texas in a very different time. Yes, to say the uh, least. <laughs> yeah, he. Uh, I didn't know he was one of the guys that. Um, I think the year before, or maybe he was even on. I can't remember now. It's been almost two weeks. Uh, he was on the was it the West Texas team that won the NCAA tournament uh, by putting five African American yeah. starters on the floor at the same time. Mm, I guess Kentucky. Yeah, that's right. Fucking eight all for ups, boys. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So, uh, but very good. Um, you know, I remember being a sports fan. I remember that team with Corliss. You know, he what a beast he was. Being yeah. a big Barkley guy, kind of reminded me of a Barkley type. And you know, Scotty Thurman and Oliver Miller. And then me and me and Clay Young started talking about Lee Mayberry and, <laughs> and uh, Todd Day. And I remembered how they got drafted by the Bucks. And then I thought, you know, talking. About, I thought maybe Todd Day was a Georgia Tech guy. Anyway, it was. Uh, it was a good documentary. It's, it's it's pretty short. I think it's ironically around forty minutes. Um, poor Richardson had a bit of a meltdown near the end there, but it was it was interesting to see his um, his influence and how much he learned, how he loomed over the game. Right, right. Um, and to see him as an older man now, it's one of those things. As I get older, and you see him, and you see he's very gray hair wise. Um, you see how introspective he is about things, and so, you know it. It just you know the way life goes, right? So, mm-hmm. yeah. Did you dug this one? I guess. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I like that one. And oh, uh, then I also watched um, Wallace and Gromit with the boys. We did like a dinner picnic thing. Wallace and Gromit: A Matter of Loaf and Death. <laughs> uh, ironically, yeah, they are bakers in this one. <laughs> Uh, and there's uh, there's someone going around killing all the bakers in town. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, they try to knock off, <laughs> um, knock off Wallace and Gromit, and it's uh, it's amazing. I you know I'm a pretty big fan of Wallace and Gromit with the stuff I've seen, and the boys really loved it. So I was very pleased with that. It's uh, it's such well made stuff, and I remember my mom had actually bought them. I didn't realize at the time. Maybe I should have. That she bought them the pirate movie, and it turns out it was the same uh, same guy that did it. So the same people that did Wallace and Gromit. So now I'm really excited to see this pirate movie we have. So yeah, yeah, yeah. That I, I like that. Uh, of course, I like that style. That kind of stop motion style. Of, yeah, it's almost like I guess it's like claymation, sort of. Yeah, yeah. And uh, although I, I think it's well, not like well, not completely like claymation. Cause claymation had that like always had that like thumbprint movement, right? <laughs> like, right, like, exactly. Constantly like like uh, like liquid almost. But uh, yeah, I like that stuff too. I thought about watching that pirates one with uh, my son because he does like pirates, like all kids I, do, you know, right? Yeah. No, same with ours. We did a pirate birthday last year. Um, yeah, pirates are definitely appeal to them. And it's you know, it's it's cool because I, I remember when I was a kid, I didn't think like pirates weren't really a thing. Like it was more ninjas and. <laughs> Um, I think just with the Pirates of the Caribbean movies, pirates have kind of come full swing from like, I know my dad was into pirates because of uh, like Errol Flynn and right. all that stuff. So 
uh, yeah, pirates, uh, especially to a certain age group. I mean, to young kids, I think it's just the high seas adventure. Yeah. Uh, to a little older kids, I think it's the uh, it's the rebellion, rebellionist right of the uh, pirate. Yeah, the flag. Some you know, kids will put like the pirate, the skull and crossbones <laughs> on their bedroom door. You know, they push them like parents not allowed or you know, whatever signs kids like to put on their doors, and they reach a certain age. <laughs> oh man, um, yeah. is that it? That's all, man. Okay. Um, I watched a few things. I don't think I talked about any of these, though, so I'll, I'll make sure that I got that. Uh, I'm kind of clicking around here. Hang on a second. Um, I watched. Let's see. I'll make sure, make sure I didn't talk about these. I don't think I talked about these on the air. I don't think I did yet. I don't think. Because I think we did Death Wish films, and I don't think we talked about any of what we've been watching at that time. So No. Uh, I watched Six Days to Air, uh, uh, making of an episode of South Park. Um. I'm not the biggest South Park guy. I watched it. The, I watched it in the beginning, a little bit here and there. But it just—it's not that I don't think it's funny, or that you know some of it's not like great, or maybe even awful. I just—I just don't watch it. I just, it's just nothing for me. But um, I do like the creative process of anything, right? Mm-hmm. So this one is really interesting because these guys really, literally—they put out—they—they they create, write, animate. And put out an episode of South Park in six days, and this is the way they've been doing it ever since the beginning. Jesus, and animation, from what yeah. I know, is not a, a short process. No, it, it, even though even if it's really even simple, crude animation, yeah, it's very crude, but it still takes some time. And they're constantly changing things. But their creative process, uh, Trey was Trey Parker and Matt Stone. Matt Stone, yeah. Their creative process is incredibly interesting. It's only an hour long. It's on Netflix Instant Watch, but it's very interesting to watch. <laughs> These guys go through the emotions they go through for creativity. And that was a wonderful sip of coffee. Um, I then watched the, uh, uh, this is a couple weeks ago now, I cracked open my uh, Jaws Blu-ray to watch The Shark is Still Working. I wanted to see this documentary that you know everybody had been talking about forever. Nice. So I checked it out. Uh, it's pretty good. I mean, it's definitely fan-made. I mean, you can tell it's yeah. fan-made, you know. So, you know, there's only going to be one angle to this uh uh, documentary, and that's going to be you know Jaws is the greatest movie ever made. Revolutionized filmmaking. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be all that stuff. But so that that angle you already knew. The only thing I liked is there were some new stories in there, some stuff I didn't know. Um, but you know, obviously, I'm not going to give them away here in case anybody wants to watch it. But there was uh, some good stuff, and it is well made. It, 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 for a fan documentary, it's pretty pretty well made, and they got some good people in there and stuff. And, it's just interesting to see the other. I mean that that Blu-ray fans of the movie. Uh, that thing is loaded though. I do appreciate that Universal put that out with all the bonus features that were on the original laser disc and uh, wow. and added that to it as well. So that's the way you, that's the way you're supposed to do it. DVD companies and studios. That's the way you're supposed to do it. <laughs> when you got 50 gigs to play with, it's like it's a crying shame that you hear about certain movies and it's like. Oh, they didn't pour over the extras from the DVD. It's just bare bones. It's like, really? Like, why not? Just dump it on. That's like you even have to put the money into producing some new material for it. Yeah. Uh, you're awful close to that vibrating noise again. It's very loud. <laughs> uh, <laughs> did you hear that? Did you hear that at the end of the uh, feedback episode last time? Oh, I certainly did. I'm going to try to <laughs> turn my body away from... Yeah, there you go. It's gone now. Hang on here. <laughs> Almost nothing. Uh, uh, Loaf, speaking of Loaf and Death, he uh, texted me and said, there's some major feedback during Demise's uh, uh, feedback. I'm like, hey, yeah. You know, it's funny. When I listened to the episode, I could hear her. 
I could hear her feedback uh, perfectly. Yeah, well, they the I ran it through the level later, and that make it raises her voice up, right? So, anyway, back on point here. But anyway, yeah, check it out if you have the uh, Blu-ray. If you don't have the Blu-ray, and if you're going to buy the Blu-ray, check it out. It, it's good. It's just not great. How's uh, the, sorry, how's the fan? Is it still loud? Uh, I can hear it just a little bit. Fuck, I don't know if there's a way around it right now. <laughs> it's definitely, you can you can hear it, though. It's strange. It's crazy what that mic will pick up, isn't it? Mm. The uh, next thing I watched was the Dungeon Masters. This is on uh, Hulu Plus. I've been meaning to watch this forever. This came out in 2007, so it tells you how long I've been meaning to watch this. And essentially, this is about people who, you know, DM for uh, role-playing games, Dungeon Dungeons and Dragons primarily, but just any kind of games. Um, these people are both creative and feverish and socially and completely awkward. And... Um, Really, really interesting, like, psychosis and things going on. It goes really deep. It goes into, like, you know, broken marriages and, and uh, just, you know, broken hearts. And, and it, 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 you know, there's, you know, that for some of these guys, you know, they, they live and die by this and not only that, but they, they, they want to be something more than just, like, in one example, you got a guy that's an apartment manager, but he wants to be an author. Well, Is this the one, sorry, is this the one where... It also shows. I think it shows two or three people. One of them is is a chick who wears like body paint and stuff during one of them, and the one guy is trying to get like his his local access yeah, cable yeah. show. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, this is a good one, man. I watched this last year. I really liked it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It is really good because it really kind of goes into the the details and how these people have they 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 want to be something more, but they mm-hmm. just don't really know how to get there. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. And yeah, what was I gonna say? Fuck. Um, yeah, and there's the one guy in the military, I think. He had a family. that he. Yeah, I like that this doesn't really thumb its nose. Because a lot of these documentaries, they, they take this stance of like almost mocking in a sideshow way their their subject. But the, this never does, I don't think. Yeah, because they, these guys would be easy to mock, right? I mean, for the majority <laughs> yeah. of the society, these guys are easy to make fun of. Right? Yeah. And uh, I'm, I'm glad that they don't make fun of them. I'm glad that they, they take them seriously and that uh, they... Fully flesh them out. Yeah, fully flesh them out. Uh, and there's kids involved and stuff. And of course, as you, as you know, I, you know, raising kids and stuff, it's always kind of, you see like uh, the one guy, he's the apartment manager, wants to be the author. You see the kid he's got and stuff and you say, you know, maybe you should, you know, maybe you should focus more on your career and work when you're a kid and not worry, maybe you should drop all that stuff. But, you know, for some yeah. people, you know, that, that, that creative urge forever dominates their life mm-hmm. and regardless of all the other things they do in the process. So it's very strange. But it is it is good it is good it's on Hulu Plus here in the states so definitely check it out for those of you who haven't seen it I don't know if it's on Netflix or not but it was on Hulu Plus and I just watched I f- it I know I th- I'm pretty sure I saw it on Netflix Canada last year which of course I'm not on American Netflix so I don't know if it's there but yeah worth a watch for sure you have the Netflix North America option that's true I do <laughs> all you need now is Netflix Mexico and you're good to go. <laughs> yeah, but Netflix in Spain and a few other countries too. Yeah. Problem is, because it's Spain, it caters to Spanish, so all these cool Spanish films <laughs> don't have subtitles for Willie. Yeah. <laughs> well, Europe has. Oh, by the way, the microphone sounds great now. The uh, Europe has Netflix. I'm often curious what their selections like. Mm, uh, yeah. Coronation Street episodes for yeah. days. <laughs> uh, I then switched gears and went to the remake of Fright Night. Um, Ooh. Check that out. Um, yeah, I, I liked it. Didn't like it. I, I'm 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 torn with it. 
it for me it gets to the goods too quick. I know that sounds crazy, but it, it just, does. It wasn't very suspenseful for me. It felt like an edited version of the original <laughs> Fright Night in a lot of ways. And I'm not going to sit there and say the original was better. Well, of course, the original is better for me because you know I grew up with the original. Uh-huh. But I did like Colin Farrell in this. I did That's like great man. Yeah, I did like. Um, the Doctor Who guy, I can't remember his name off the top of my head. Do- oh, David, David. David Tennant, yeah. who is obviously, I mean, I mean, I know they offered the role to Russell Brand. I really wish he would have done his thing because it does feel like it's David Tennant doing Russell Brand, Russell Brand a little bit. Yeah, especially when he, he's in the Vegas mode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I, I do like that they moved it to Vegas. I think there's some interesting stuff with the desert and, you know, it's... Well, yeah, I, think, I like that I think- the, the suburb is like a, a peninsula almost, right? It's in the middle of nothing. Yeah. You got like these 50 houses in the middle of the desert, mm-hmm. which is the way, if you've ever been to Vegas, that's the way it is. Um, Yeah, I, I had issues with it, though. I, I just, I don't know. I just felt like it got to the goods too quick. Uh, I didn't like the McLovin character as much as I like the original Evil. And uh, Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, he was kind of played more for like one-liners than he was. I, I felt a lot more sympathy for him uh, in the original. I also thought the relationship between the girl and the guy was a little bit more, I don't know, just felt a little bit more confused. Maybe it was supposed to. I don't know. Anyway, I wasn't a huge fan. Didn't think it was great. Didn't think it was, well, honestly, I didn't even really think it was very good. But yeah, I liked it more than you, but I think what would you score it then? Like, um, well, I'd probably, it'd probably be right above a five, maybe. Okay, I think I gave it like a seven, seven point two five. I'll tell you, I do want a pair of Puce running shoes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh man, <laughs> I did like uh, Tony Collette in it too. I, yeah, is, is another one of those actresses. I always forget to mention her, but she's one of those ones I also find conventionally hot. I'm with you on that. Actually, yeah, she is smoking she to is me, like an unconventional woman. And yeah. I think she's a great actress too. I, oh, she's yeah. one that. Whenever I see your name in the cast, I'm like, oh, nice. I check out a film she was in called Japanese Story. It's great. There's one, it. there's one she did that Loaf, of, of course, posted screenshots from. It's a fucking Ken Russell film. Hmm. And she's naked in it except for wearing the nun habit on her head. And you see her bush and everything. It's like, I had no idea, Tony. Like, yeah, right. Geez, it's, uh, Sammy's Googling right, right <laughs> yeah. now. <Yeah. laughs> Pay no attention. <laughs> Pay no attention to the key pattering <laughs> and then the flesh smacking yeah. going on. Yeah. All right. Then I, sw- <laughs> then I switched gears and went and watched. Um, we were going to do Thomas Jane this week. That got postponed a week due to a comic convention. So we're going to talk to him next week. Uh, tentatively, that's all in the plans anyway. As these things go, you never know. Uh, he might get busy. Um, but um, so I watched Thursday last week, last Thursday, I think. <laughs> <laughs> and um, it was a revisit for me. Of uh, And it's, it's basically a Tarantino rip a little bit. It's, uh, well, it's very much a Tarantino rip in a lot of ways. Uh, for Paulina Portskova fans, I'm sure you should check it out. She's just about completely nude in it, except for some bush, as Will just said so eloquently a little while ago. Yeah. Uh, you can see everything of Paulina Portskova for those who are think she's gorgeous. Uh, genius casting of Aaron Eckhart and Thomas Jane's brothers. <laughs> uh, and a Mickey Rourke performance that's very small, but very Mickey Rourke, right? So <laughs> definitely try to check that out if you haven't. Uh, it's on Netflix Instant Watch in state, so there you go. you got access to that. A lot of good Thomas Jane stuff. Standard's on there, too. I'm going to rewatch Standard as well. I own the DVD. I bought it at a, a closing sale. 
I mean, not even a closing cell. Rogers, which is like a Canadian blockbuster theater, except they would do like actually sort of like um, uh, I guess ironically like Ted Rogers, like the big media conglomerate with cell phones and cable and everything. They have you know the bins two for ten, and I bought dinner like that some time ago. Right, right. It's been years now. Gonna definitely check that out again. Uh, and I think that's. Oh no! I watched one other thing. I finished off last night. I had an HD uh, version of Three O'clock High on the DVR. Nice. So I checked out Three O'clock High. Uh, I'd like to review that on the show at some point. I know it's one of Roop's favorite films. Although I, I was kind of thinking about saving it for him, but although I think Island of Lost Souls is also one of Roop's favorite films, and I didn't save it for him. But uh, I would like to uh, talk about that at some point in time because that's an interesting movie, really. You think about the time period it's made, and the way it's made. I don't know if you've ever seen it or not. Yeah, I have. It's um, uh, what's his name? Uh, yeah, Richard Tyson. There's yeah, a- Richard Tyson's great. And my wife, I've seen it a couple times. In fact, it's on Netflix HD, which is where I caught it uh, after many years. I think sometime earlier this year. Yeah, it's one of those weird things that's made in '87, and uh, it just—it's it, got a weird feel to it. And uh, feels well, like '83 though. Yeah, it really does. Uh, but it's 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 it's, it's interesting. Uh, it was a fun uh, rewatch because uh, I quite enjoy it. Um, I'll just say this. Maybe I'll say this now because everybody will forget by the time we review it on the show, for, or if we ever do, that I like that it's a movie that exists in a world that just does not exist cinematically anymore. It does not. It's it's almost like joysticks, right? Yeah, and it has its own rules, right? I mean, it's like it, the, totally. It's one of those movies where there's a huge fight in a high school and everybody shows up, and even the principal. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> it's just it's, it's it it exists in a world that just it wouldn't exist nowadays. Everybody goes straight to like juvenile centers or jail suspensions or, <laughs> and there's switchblade knives all over the place. Oh, lot, yeah, a lot of sw- lot of switchblades lately for me. <laughs> yeah, there has been even this week. Yeah, a lot of switchblades going on. You give me that. I'm gonna get my switchblade comb out. <laughs> uh, but other than other than that, the only thing uh, I mean you've been up to, and I'll go ahead and say this in intros, we we uh, both attended Horror Hound this past weekend, and uh, we had an amazing time as we always do. Very uh, true. We always mention these uh, because we want everybody to know. You know, it's, obviously it's an event, but uh, we had some new people show up this year. Uh, Dusty came in from uh, New Mexico, New Mexico, and Aaron came in all the way from Hawaii. Um. I think that was the only two new ones, maybe. Well, no, uh, Matt and, and uh, Coop, they came in from uh, Virginia. Mm-hmm. And their lovely, lovely girlfriends, Lori Tenney, and then Dewey and his girl came in, too, with them. So Yeah, yeah. They so rolled we, six deep. It was... Uh, so we had... That, that was... Uh, I think that was the new people that came... Oh, no, uh, I guess you can call the Cinemascus new to the, the new to default. That's right. Yeah, good old Justin came in. Justin fucking ripped or fucking... <laughs> Tore the town up, man. Before, before for any of you that uh, know Justin's uh, voicemail, the Cinemascus Justin Overholzer, as he likes to call himself, uh, he's exactly like that in person as well. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. What you get with Justin is what you get. He, he don't fuck around. Linda Hamilton knows that. <laughs> yes, she does. But uh, it was great seeing everybody. Zom, Emily, Christine, and Dylan, who drove all the way from Austin, Texas. Um. Brandy again, his lovely wife Lisa. I'm going to forget people. I always forget House. people. Yeah, Matt was there. Uh, was Lightning Bug, who had the most amazing fucking moonshine ever. <laughs> yeah, really good stuff. And I had a toothache, and that sugary sweet moonshine was a like a lightning bolt in my jaw. <laughs> speaking of speaking of uh, dungeon masters, 
Yeah. Uh, he brought his lovely wife with him again. That's the first time she'd been in a couple years. Um, mm-hmm. uh, the NOTLP crew. Yeah, Yuri and Jake. Always Yuri good. and Jake pulling the pork. Yeah, always good to have Jake there as always. Uh, I mean, God. if you guys don't go, I mean, I mean, I understand why you don't go. Obviously, everybody's got things they got to do. Some people can't afford to go. I understand. But if you get a chance to go, you should really go. And uh, I know as far as our group, I can speak for me and Will, we try to do our best to make it, you know, the most inviting and fun time you'll ever have. Mm-hmm. Uh, we hope. We we do have, you know, this year more than ever, I think we realized the bigger it's getting. Uh, I should mention Ken and Justin as well. Oh, yeah. love I had a great conversation with Justin yeah. over breakfast at Blueberry Hill. And Fozzie was there. And I'm looking at Fozzie. the picture now trying to figure out who else we may have forgotten. <laughs> I know, because I don't want to forget anyone. It's like, you know. And Mikey was there. <laughs> yeah, but he disappeared day two, man. I don't yeah. know where that guy went. Yeah. Hope's nosing it up somewhere else. <laughs> but the uh, we tried our best. But this was the first year where I think we really realized that it's gotten so many people are starting to go that we know personally that we got separated often this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, even you and I, man. Yeah. It's like, yeah. fuck, I need some Sammy time. Yeah, even Will and I got separated quite a bit this time. And uh, so it was kind of interesting. It was interesting this time around because, you know, but but I don't think, I don't feel like I lost anything in the experience because no, I feel like that is the experience now. The experience is I go, I may have something planned to do, but it kind of turns into something else. And whatever it turns into, I just kind of roll with it. And thank God for Randy, the glue <laughs> of Horror Hound Weekend. And yeah. if it wasn't for that guy, we'd all be standing around lobbies for three days. Yeah. yeah. He, Randy, uh, he, he really does his part to make sure that things run like a well-oiled machine. And we should mention the other new arrival that we've both uh, shamefully forgotten is your wife. <laughs> I was saving the best for last. Yeah. yeah, she she had the time of her life, man. Um, she's an outsider. She like she loves movies, but she's certainly not a cinephile. Yeah, and, um, you know she doesn't really care about stuff like we do. Uh, but you know the thing with these weekends is we hardly ever end up talking movies, right? So she came, and man, she had an amazing time. Like, I it just my heart just swelled when I saw on I guess the Monday. She, you know, Teresa, you know, fucking 15 new friends or right. whatever it is. And right. it's just, it's so great that she sees now why I'm so emotionally invested uh, with with our community. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. She feels the same now. And it's great because now it's like, you know, she'll be like, yeah, did you see that thing fucking Zom posted or, you know, that thing at Aaron? You know, it just now that she's in the mix, it's really nice too. And it's, I'm glad that everyone welcomed her so warmly because, um, you know, it's my wife. I mean, I wouldn't want her to feel like an outsider. And I didn't even spend that much time with her when we were together. Like, it was more, <laughs> you know, it's, she's well, no, good like that. It's impossible. Yeah, well, yeah, it's impossible. I mean, my wife has been to these two, and she came up again this oh, time. Yeah. It's impossible to really kind of focus your energy on any one person, including your significant other. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you are my wife. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's really tough yeah. because, I mean, you're just, you know, you're trying to get anything. Uh, I should mention also that the the Bryn was there. Oh. I, and we should also mention the Freilichs who let us use their house on Friday night. Yeah, Would, I was just going through. One of the kindest gestures we've ever had to kind of get everybody together uh, for uh, shots of J&B. And uh, moonshine whiskey, uh, apple pie moonshine, and uh, pulled pork, and lots of alcohol flowing in that place. <laughs> oh man! And it's uh, yeah. I mean, Bryn Bryn was looking great. 
rocking the hat is he had the the, the Bryn Tuck <laughs> where he was sure was almost all the way undone. Yes. You know, rocking the chest hair, man. I mean, he, you know, it was great, great, great. He, you know, having him there again this year. I know for, initially it was kind of up in the air, but there was never any doubt. Probably the, uh, most, probably the most touching one for me was Dusty, though, because he was nervous about coming in a lot of ways. Yeah, and uh, that, I think we welcomed him as well as we possibly could, and I hope he felt that way. I think he did because he's shared on Facebook his feelings and stuff, and I'm, I'm glad we did that because that it can be intimidating. I mean, I, I was a first-timer at one point to one of these two, and there wasn't nearly as many people as there are now going, mm-hmm. and it can be intimidating. Well, the thing of it was Dusty, by his own admission, is a very nervous person, um, worries a lot. And <clears throat> even in his own words, he said it was a leap of faith for him to buy a plane ticket mm-hmm. And travel across the country to see a bunch of strangers. Yeah. <laughs> and he did that. And he felt rewarded for that, thankfully. And and I'm glad he did because Aaron and I were talking about this. Like, Aaron's more in the mix. And Aaron's just as much. I mean, five, six-hour time difference. Yeah. We won't even talk about Aaron's uh, trip from hell with <laughs> luggage and passports. No. Uh, because I don't want him to get angry and grouch it up <laughs> at, at home. He'll throw up on uh, the back of my shirt. Throw up on the back. Yes, exactly. <laughs> So, um, but he at least was in the mix with the community a lot more so than Dusty was. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's so great. I love when, like, people that are not new to our community, but new to to horror, the horror hunt experience get there and, and then they they just realize why we're always gushing about it. You know, and even Jake had said that in his uh, episode this week, he almost wishes, you know, it was like a three or like a four day thing and. Yeah, I've been cooking up ways like, man, we got to do a horror hunt or uh, like a vacation where we all go away somewhere. And well, you know, it's funny you mentioned that. I got hit up uh, for something. Remind me to tell you about something off the air. So, is it? It's not the. Is it the the NOTLP thing or something? Yeah, else? yeah, yeah. It's the NOTLP thing. It looks like uh, that I'm going to go to that. So that that's interesting. It's kind of like a new thing. Yeah, and I see that as at some point in time, I see that as almost being the future of these things. Yeah, because that, that, is, that, is that in May? Is that right? Yeah, it's in May. To me, yep. mm, let's see. It's uh, March's yeah. March's Whorehound. I'll be showing up for maybe a day that I won't be staying the night that night because I'm going to do this thing instead. So I don't want to say what it is completely because it was you know it was a personal invite. I don't want to yeah. say on the air. No, I, I'm with you. I got that invite too. I, yep. I I'm kind of surprised Freddie picked a nudist colony, but yeah, well, you know. I'm not. I know Freddie pretty well, but uh, <laughs> yeah, seen more Freddie than I maybe consider that. Yeah, <laughs> gotta get my. Uh, Gotta lay off the carbs before yeah. May then. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, um, yeah, this you know a great time is had by as always. Uh, I think uh, most of the people that came the first time, I think we'll see them again. I'm, as a matter of fact, I'm 100 percent positive we might not see them twice a year. As you heard on the special bonus episode, I call some of us two a year guys because, like me and Jake, Randy, we're two a year guys, and that's the reason why is because really they're pretty remotely close to us. Uh, so it's not really a big deal to go to these things for us because it's either Cincy, Indianapolis, Columbus, Ohio. These places are pretty close to us. Now, for you guys that are further away, the one of your guys is totally understandable because it is a bit more of a travel, right? So, um, But either way, I, I think almost everybody will be – well, as a matter of fact, I talked to everybody that came the first time. I asked them you know, what they thought, and it seems like everybody's ready to go again. Amazing. So that's that's very heartwarming <clears throat> for me, and I don't think that. And again, I don't want to say they don't do it just for us; they do it for all of us because, uh, you know, NLTLP kind of opened the gateway, and I kind of got involved. We kind of kept talking about it, and more and more and more, this community just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and more and more people keep showing up at these things, and it's just it's it's amazing, man. I got, 
I don't. I know this sounds awful, but I don't nearly smile as much in those two or three days <laughs> as I do any other time. <laughs> yeah, it's it's my favorite. It's my favorite social thing of the year. Like it's it's easily outside of spending time with like my, my my actual family, like yeah. my kids and my wife and you know, my parents and stuff, and my wife's friends. Um, it's my favorite thing in the world to do. I, I wouldn't like I said. I traded in TIFF gladly for it this year, and yeah. I will gladly trade in TIFF. Every year, if it means I get a weekend like this, because you're literally on a fucking, you're on cloud nine for like two weeks afterwards, and you know you just got to glow, man. And I even said that. It's, I think it was more because I was drunk, but um, I got to, yeah, glow. But it's just, God, it's it's just, it's the best time, man. You cannot ask for anything more from yeah. a better group of people. So hopefully, we'll see some more new people next time around. And I also want to say, uh, Troy and his lovely wife. I mean, Troy's lovely wife as well. Yes, so. and this, my only regret with Troy is that we never seem to get enough time with Troy. <laughs> Troy is one of the best people you are ever going to meet at one of these conventions, uh, in well, addition to having an encyclopedic knowledge of film. Yeah. And, I, oh God, man, I'm always trying to fucking squeeze time with Troy, and it's like, man, Troy, give me two seconds. i got to just go put this down or do something. Yeah. And then, you know, he ends up over here, and, and I'm over here, and I would just – I really wish I had more Troy time. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I think that's because a lot of people – Troy's pretty stretched thin at the thing. Oh, yeah. Right? He's got a lot of people to talk to and to, so, to sort out, too, man. And that's the way I feel, too. And if I didn't talk to anybody, uh, first of all, if anybody thought I might have been a little moody, I was because I had a bad toothache, a really bad toothache. At some points during uh, Friday night, I thought I was going to die. If you've ever had a bad toothache, you know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, Saturday night, I had some rough times as well because it just really hurt. And I was uh, my wife had left late in the evening, and I was worried because there's a lot of deer in the Midwest and uh, I was worried about her getting home. So once she got home, everything loosened up a lot more again. There was pictures of tiki torches and and all kinds of craziness going on. <laughs> Made it look pretty fucking wild. It did. It, the, the Roman columns helped. If we, mm. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, it was it's a great time, and I, I just can't say enough about it. So look forward to seeing some more new faces next time around. Hopefully, all right. I think it's enough for our hound talk. Uh, we missed Loaf. <laughs> we did miss Loaf. We all missed Miles. Loaf. And Miles. Uh, Miles will be like, by the time he gets to this thing, one of these things, I think he's doing this on purpose now that I think about it, that motherfucker. Jesus. By the time he gets to one of these things, everybody's going to want to talk to Miles. <laughs> he's going to get bum-rushed. He's going to give me a fucking ticker tape parade at the airport, man. <laughs> yeah. For Lemaire and company. <laughs> Everybody's going to love Molly. He's doing this shit on purpose, man. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I'm going to be there this time. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you know what? No, can't be there this time. Sorry, guys. No. <laughs> and everybody gets their anticipation up, and then it dies down. So when he finally shows up, everybody's going to be like, holy fuck. Yeah. Let's see what he's doing now, fucking salesman. Yeah. All right. So we're going to take a short break. What do you want to talk about first? Uh, Island of Lost Souls, I guess. All right. So we'll come back and talk about 1932's Island of Lost Souls. We'll be back right this. <laughs> People of Eternia, I stand before the great eye of the Potosphere, chosen by destiny by the powers of Lipson. <laughs> this inevitable moment will transpire before your eyes, even as He-Man himself bears witness to it. Now I, Baby Skeletor, am master of the action attraction. <laughs> action Attraction, your home for all things action. To find out more, visit MetalMikey.Lipson.com or search for Action Attraction in iTunes. Hey, 
weekend buddy and i don't know about you but i put in about 72 lovely hours at my job this past week so horror hound really was missed <laughs> yes i'm with you completely <laughs> Ooh, um my only regret about that making that break is that i did not put the joysticks theme in somehow somewhere in one of these breaks which what is, is it completely awesome video games <laughs> It's like it's like it's like such an eighties song, you know. Oh God, is it ever! <laughs> All right, so our first film of the evening is uh, Island of Lost Souls, nineteen thirty-two, directed by Earl C. Kenton. This is an adaptation of the Island of Doctor Moreau. Uh, plot synopsis is: An obsessed scientist conducts profane experiments and evol- in evolution. I was going to say evolution, but I'll say evolution. Eventually establishing himself as the self-styled demigod to a race of mutated half-human abominations. All right. So uh, this film's got an interesting history. Um, the history is almost as interesting as the film itself in a lot of ways. Um, but again, I, uh, I, I love covering these really old films because uh, it's a different type of filmmaking altogether. And uh, this one really is... Uh, was interesting for me to revisit because I had forgotten there was hardly any music in the film at all. I don't think there is any music in the film. Now that you mention it, I don't think there's any music in it either, except for the piece you just played before the break, as we came back from the break. Yes, the working song from Coxbar. Coxbar song, yes. <laughs> yes, that was that was in there. Charles Lawton mm-hmm. shaking his uh, white pants. Shaking his tail for that. That's Moreau's theme when he's when he's when he wants to get the creative juices flowing. Yeah, we have to. We have to do have to say this though. This movie, uh, in more ways than one, it should be in the GGTMC Facial Hair of Hall of Fame. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Between Bela Lugosi and, uh, and uh, Charles Lawton's awesome uh, gentleman's goatee that he wears. Oh, totally, man. And, uh, so, and, and not only that, but the GGTMC Back Hair Hall of Fame as well. A lot of, lot of, oh. G, a lot of GGTMC listeners running around in the background in this film. <laughs> a lot. There's a lot of, yeah, there's a lot of great back hair in this film. <laughs> Look like Horrorhound. <laughs> Nice. All right, so is this a first-time watch for you? Yes, it is. All right, let's see what you thought of Island of Lost Souls. Yeah, I, I'd known of this film, certainly. Um, just I had never gotten around to seeing it. Um, the Criterion Blue, of course, the package is fantastic. It feels silly to even say that with Criterion. It's an obvious thing, but but it is great. And I always lament that I don't get to dig in more of the special features. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, I'm familiar with the, the troubled production that... Um, uh, of the '90s version with Marlon Brando and white pancake makeup. And oh yeah, yeah. That that I wish somebody would make like a really 
full-on documentary of that because there are so many great stories that came from that thing. Yeah, and I've only seen bits and pieces of even that one, but I am familiar with the story mm-hmm. behind this. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, This, I think, is the oldest film we've done on the show, is it not? Um, because there's the there was the night nurse the Barbara Stanwyck film we did that um, wasn't M wasn't M thirty one oh okay maybe so maybe so so we've done a few films in that right check, in around there I'm gonna check that out real quick I mean, yeah no I think you might be right but it's 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 in the conversation at least yeah between night nurse which is thirties yeah. yeah M is thirty one so technically this is this one year removed from that so yeah, yeah. M M still might hold that crown for right now. And I will say this, as good as this film is, M is on a different level from a filmmaking perspective, I feel like. Despite there being some um, some really groundbreaking stuff, uh, technically, yeah. I feel like, you know, oh, yeah, yeah. a lot of other... I mean, it's Fritz Lang, though, I mean. Yeah, it's Fritz Lang. You're talking about one of the, the writers of cinematic language, as opposed mm-hmm. to Earl C. Kenton here, who really... He's a good, yeah, good he's journeyman a, filmmaker. Yeah, he's a workman director, right? I mean, he... Mm-hmm. The only things I've ever seen by O.C. Kenton are this film, and he did two Frankenstein films, House of Frankenstein, I think, and Ghost of Frankenstein. Which I know he did some Abbott and Costello stuff, too. Yeah, which I probably maybe have seen, because my grandfather was a fan, but I don't recall. Oh, no, he did House yeah. of Dracula and House of Frankenstein, so I've seen House of Dracula as well. I, when I was a kid, I wasn't allowed to watch very many horror films, but I was allowed to watch like the Universal stuff mm-hmm. uh, with my grandparents. They would actually watch it with me, even though they didn't really like that shit. But they would watch it with me, right? So I've seen some of Earl C. Kenton's stuff, but never <clears throat> never to the point that, you know, when I see the movie, he's not the kind of director that when you watch any of the movies, you're like, oh, that's definitely an Earl C. Kenton picture. <laughs> never. He's, no, I don't, he's certainly not an auteur. No, no, no. He's a workman, and uh, he got a lot of credits. I mean, he directed, uh, 100, well, 140 titles, but a lot of TV after 51, so. Yeah, probably a lot of Westerns and yeah, stuff like that. Um so, yeah, it's, um, you know, it was nice to see the packaging. It's even really nice. Like, I love the cover for this film. It's almost like um, like a drawing that the doctor would do when he's designing, um, like, the creature. Like, it's, it's, a, it's a, what is it, like a, like a I was going to say biography, goodness. Like, a, almost like a biology diagram of the hand. Yeah, yeah. It's really, really nice. Yeah, really, um, really nice menus. And this is the pre-Haze Code, um, so yeah. that's interesting. Yeah, because there's a lot... This film, there's a lot of religious stuff here. A lot of mm-hmm. controversial... Evolution is still controversial. And 80 years ago. Yeah. And uh, so, <laughs> there's a lot of stuff going on here, you know. And Moreau is a sadistic motherfucker in this one. Charles he Lawton is. plays him, uh, and, and for those who don't know Charles Lawton, he was the Hunchback of Notre Dame in one of Universal's movies, I think, and uh, he directed one of my favorite films of all time, Night of the Hunter. I, you know, it's funny you say that because I knew I knew the name, yeah, and I knew he had been pretty celebrated as an actor, mm-hmm. um, but having not ever seen Spartacus, you know, I didn't really know him personally from something other than knowing his name, but. I love Night of the Hunter, and that's where I know his name. I guess yeah, he's he's wow. he's he can be. Well, I mean, I'm a fan of his, and and if you really know my my taste in actors, he can be way over the top. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's pretty over the top in this. I like that he plays him as this kind of omnisexual because uh, you get hints of homosexuality. You do. You get hints of heterosexuality. You get hints of. All kinds of craziness in his performance. He's got these little looks and stuff that he gets. They're so bizarre. <laughs> He's he is 
absolutely fantastic in the film. Yeah, and he is like so on it, and uh, just he's just the right level of hammy mm -hmm. slash almost perfect for the role, really, in a lot of ways. Yeah, he he really knocks it out of the park. I mean, yeah. he just he is so good in the film, and he is just the right amount of over the top. Man, did he direct other stuff too? He only directed two films, really. One he doesn't really take credit for. It. What happened with Night of the Hunter was it was not received well. Um, like a lot of masterpieces, mm -hmm. yeah, it was not received well. It dealt with some things that were, again, controversial for the time. Um, and uh, he was devastated by it. He put his heart and soul into it he felt and he was devastated by it and so he promised he would never direct another movie and he never did and that was his second film yeah wow. really really his first full-on film uh from beginning to end and he just was really i don't know he, he just really took it personally i'm calling it now although we don't really really program doubles in a way um based on theme mm -hmm. because i've always wanted to do one of my favorites electric light and blue uh, James William Garcia, who only directed that film. We should double those up, man. Well, yeah, that'd be interesting. But it would be a fucking five-hour episode because <laughs> there's so much to say. But both films are out-and-out -out masterpieces of their yeah. time. Yeah, yeah. It would be interesting. Uh, it'd be a long conversation, yeah. Yeah. So, wow, that's really cool. Lawton did that. Um, and, I mean, we get who is probably one of the... Like, if you're going to do a Mount Rushmore of horror... <laughs> yeah. You you gotta put uh, good old Bella Lugosi in there. Yeah, you got to. Yeah, he, Bella Lugosi's strange, and we've never really talked about him on this show. Um, I think personally, cinematically, he has like one of the top five great faces in cinema history. He does have a great face. Uh, his acting is also very over the top. In this, mm. it's <laughs> what is the law? Uh, yeah, it is way over the top in this, but I, I do know that he took this role because it's kind of a he'd already done Dracula, so he was a huge star at this point. Mm -hmm. uh, he did it because he was already having trouble with money, so he only thirty two was a good year for him too. He did White Zombie the same year? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's just got one of those great faces, and it's it's covered in this, but you can totally tell it's Bella. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, and uh, yeah, it's 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 really awesome uh, that you know to have Bella on the show because I don't know how often we're going to have Bella on the show. Yeah, unfortunately, probably not very much. But I mean, really, like who would you say, Karloff, Price, uh, Cheney, and M? Maybe as far as the classic uh, horror the classic, actors, yeah, yeah, classic stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, wow, Chandu the magician, what Roxor he plays. Yeah, that guy would. That guy, he was like one of the original check cashers. <laughs> and one of the original check cashers, and boy, could he booze it, man! <laughs> oh yeah, between that and morphine, that guy was. Yeah, he, he was, was on it, it to win it. <laughs> In it to win it. Yeah. So Bella, but, don't, uh, Bella don't fuck around. Bella don't. Was it uh, Robert Blake? Ironically, wasn't it Robert Blake? That, no, it wasn't Robert Blake that played him in. Uh, fuck, who was it that played him in the um, in Ed Wood? Um, oh, it was Landau. Martin Landau. Yeah, Martin Landau. No. Um, but uh, but yeah, he didn't fuck around. Um, <laughs> so the DOP in this, uh, Carl Struss. I haven't. I didn't look anything up pre this exact moment. But uh, I made a note of the name because um, it, the film is shot pretty interestingly. Not to say, again, it, it's not a revelation, but for the time, you know, when we look at films of this time, I'm always keen to see things that seem ahead of its time despite being 80 years. It's hard for us to do that sometimes to contextualize with things this old. 
because we're so far removed from what the cinematic language was at this time. Mm-hmm. But uh, I do think the film was pretty well shot. I fucking want to look him up as we're talking here. Um, but yeah, uh, German filmmaker. Um, there he is. Oh, yeah. Yeah, here we go. He shot uh, a lot of stuff, man. He shot uh, The Great Dictator, a lot of Chaplin stuff. Okay. I didn't know that. 144 credits to his name. Nice. Oh, and we should yeah. say because we did say when we talked about the Godzilla print that Island of Lost Souls is a is a film that also, as well as they can take care of it, and this is a HD transfer, it's still it's very very soft in spots. In spots, it is. Other spots, it looks quite fantastic. Yeah, some of the whites, one like the daylight scenes on the boat and stuff. Some of the whites are so soft that they almost give off a glow around the character completely. Mm-hmm. But uh, it still does look good, just like the Godzilla transfer did. Can you consider all things? With those transfers and stuff, um, obviously you know they're not gonna go through to remaster the whole thing. At least they didn't. But that—that's sometimes the appeal of these older films too. Yeah. No. Definitely. Definitely. But yeah, I think they do as good a job as they can. Um, I feel like this print, for the most part, even looks better than Godzilla. Yeah. On the I, whole, I would say the, the Blu-ray. I don't know if it's the Blu-ray or the HD itself, but man, you can really see like the old movie star makeup on the actors sometimes, like the mm-hmm. white, the white kind of pancake makeup sort of. You can, especially on our lead, Richard Arlen. The guy oh, that played yeah. Edward Parker, he really, you can really tell sometimes, like, he's got this, you know, like, whitish makeup on. <laughs> yeah, you totally can tell. Arlen, he's very much sort of the everyman, the, the Wonder Bread kind of, uh, you know, the, the man, like, the um, sort of conscience of the film, mm-hmm, certainly. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, um, I, I know what I meant to mention when we were talking about the film and remakes. My favorite, because there's been a lot of variations of this film. Oh, yeah. The past, oh, what, 80 years? Mm-hmm. Um, between literal remakes. Sorry, I hear people moving around upstairs. No. That's not good, no. <laughs> That's not good. Not good at all. Um, I'm going to just roll with it. Um, but anyway, my favorite variation on this is um, Horrors of Malformed Men. Directed by Tiro Ishii. Oh yeah, yeah. It's fucking amazing. Yeah. And I don't know if the blues out, but the DVD looks pretty great. So it was a very controversial film. It's, it might still even be banned in Japan, hmm. but um, quite good. And so on DVD, I want to say Synapse or someone put it out some years ago. Um, the you know what's great early on? What made made me kind of go back like a few moments in the film and take notes is Carl Struis of Carl Struis. <laughs> Strudel. Um, there's a great shot of a ship in the fog. It's almost dreamy. In fact, a lot of the stuff in this film, maybe because it's so soft, yeah, feels very surreal and dreamlike. Yeah. It's overlit and it's kind of framed in a surreal way. Yeah, it looks great. Uh, I think they they shot it off. What's amazing is it looks almost tropical because of, of the way it's set up and stuff. But it's shot right off of Catalina Island in California. So that's the island they used to shoot it on and stuff. And, of course, then there's the sets they built and stuff with the house and stuff. Because it's a pretty simple film, right? It's boats uh, um, and then basically a set. That's pretty much it. And then I think they shot the scenes of her on the at the bar. I think that's Catalina Island itself. Nice. So it's, it's pretty simple. But it, it's interesting because a lot of movies back then were made in studios. So it's, it's always interesting to see them take the camera out because cameras were not as, well, let's just say they were more Mobile. cumbersome. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, It's always interesting to look at these older films with cameras that are somewhere else, like Elm in this one. So definitely, 
Uh, and this wasn't too far into the whole talkie era. It's only a few years into it, I think. Yeah, and that, of course, that's where the different filmmaking comes in because it almost feels like a play. Because mm-hmm. the way the dialogue is delivered and stuff, there's long scenes of them just sitting at a table, moving exposition. Yeah, definitely. And this film really does touch on a lot of things um, uh, that we could probably spend a whole episode on, just looking at the themes that are touched on in this film. Right. Uh, everything. I mean, everything from the religious religion versus science stuff, the slavery, the there's a lot of sociopolitical stuff, um, stuff about human nature, which because of time, unfortunately, we're not going to get a chance to go into. But um, I like the the beast. You know, one of the big things, probably the biggest thing people take away from this film is is the the, the beast designs, yeah, the, the makeup, the special effects, and they are fantastic. There's moments that they do feel pretty frightening, especially for the time and. The thing that's so frightening is they really straddle the line between, you know, it's not quite man and not quite beast, which which certainly is what the film is is, is trying to convey, and it does it really well. Right. Yeah, and I like how they, they really showcase the makeups. Like, you know, they, mm-hmm. like Bella Lagosa comes right to the camera. Yeah. And they and they, they managed, they have that scene where they all come, well, like a lot of the ones, the makeups they want to feature come right at the camera. Which is great. For its time, it's a pretty cool technique. So. Yeah, it is. I'm actually, you can see that the camera can't even handle it because it goes out of focus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The fight choreography in the film, though, fight choreography has come a long way in cinema. <laughs> it has. It's uh, The fight it's, between the captain and the lead is pretty atrocious. <laughs> yep. There's no getting around that. <laughs> Sam Hung uh, certainly oh, man. didn't do it. Um, but yeah, uh, the shadows, the use of shadows. Again, I think Stu being German and just because of the German filmmaking techniques at the time being so prevalent. Um, shadows are employed to great effect. You know, we're never quite sure what or who is lurking in the shadows, mm-hmm. which is also certainly a visual um, metaphor for the ambiguity morally of what's happening in the film. Right. Um, and the, cre- the thing I love about a lot of these older films is how it's, they're complex in that the creatures in these films are never just creatures. The creatures are very sympathetic. And, you know, you fast forward uh, 40, 50 years, let's say, into the 80s, things became very black and white with creatures. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's funny how it kind of went backwards that way. Yeah, I didn't uh, want to offend anybody, right? There's a lot of social stuff in this film, too. A lot. Like, there's that one scene where Moreau talks about that he has some of his lesser experiments are used to power the creation of his more successful subjects. Mm-hmm. And he's got that scene where you can see in the background, you can see these kind of hairy beast men running this like, uh, you know, like this power thing. Like it's almost like a paddle wheel on a steamship or something, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's interesting to me because, you know, there's a lot of that stuff, you know, that's very social, taking lesser people to make better people. It's, you know, there's a, there's a bold, bold statement being made there, even in 1932. That they're very, they're expendable. They're, you know, they're to serve the greater good, and they're, they're less really worth anything. Yeah, and I found that this film, it's highly influential. I mean, that's an understatement, but I can't remember now. But there were specific nods I'd seen that the Wicker Man, and even, even fucking Enter the Dragon, <laughs> yeah, I had borrowed from this film for. So yeah, um, there's a few shots like on the boat, and just a little sequence with the boat and stuff. But um, what is it? The Catwoman? No, no, not the Catwoman. What's her? Uh, what you call the it? Panther Woman? The Panther Woman. Lota. 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 <laughs> Fantastic look. Uh, great makeup. Um, 
Yeah, Kathleen Burke. Um, I don't know anything else she's done. Oh, she's done a few things back then. Yeah. She didn't do a whole lot. She kind of. I, I think she was a a newcomer. They kind of found, and uh, she did a few things, and then she just kind of went away. So I don't think she worked very much. But. And I hear too many footsteps for six twenty-eight in the morning. <laughs> That's not good. <laughs> no, it's not. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, another film too of the time that, that uses shadows quite well is it was a Val Luton's Cat People. No, I think he doesn't call it Cat People. What does he call it? Um, oh, the one with the guy. He meets the girl from the zoo. Oh, is that Murders at the Zoo? No, fuck. That's the movie she did right after this. Maybe it is Cat People. I'm thinking of. Might be if it's Luton. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it is. With Simone and Simon, yeah. Um, but even Moreau, you know, there's moments, as much as he's uh, this very intellectual man, he almost feels childlike at times, like in his glee. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that's the kind of the genius, I think, of his performance, is that he, that he has these moments. Like, he wants... And this is the second Moreau film I've covered on the show. I did the other one with, uh, with Scott. With Scott. And um, I think we even talked about this one a little bit and about how Lawton is our favorite Moreau. But uh, there's this sense that even though he wants to control everything, he kind of wants chaos as well. Mm-hmm. And it's a really strange performance that way uh, that, you know, he kind of asks for trouble, even though he totally can avoid it if he wanted to, like very quickly. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's out there by himself and stuff. He could have got rid of the situation right from the get go. Yep. But he chooses to keep it around because he wants to experiment with the Panther Woman and see if she'll want to make love with uh, the Arlen character and uh, to see how that works and stuff. So he's a scientist to the end, essentially. He he, he doesn't want to he doesn't want to so much be a uh, god as much as he might be getting texts from your wife from upstairs. Did you, you know it? Do you guys get texts inside the house too? We do that all the time now with a kid, man. <laughs> yeah, we'll text each other inside the house. Say, "Don't come out yet. He's not asleep." <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> oh man, but yeah, yeah. You, you get that a lot in this film that that he's a scientist. He he wants to be a scientist first, but his gut reaction and his humanity kind of gets in the way, and he kind of makes mistakes. Does he ever? Um, I like what's her name, uh, Thomas. Uh, oh goodness, it's gonna chime again. Sorry. Um, the actress uh, who's in this film, um, Layla Hyams, plays Venus. Yeah, she was in Freaks. No, she plays Venus in Freaks. I'm stuck. I'm sorry. Plays, um, what does she play in this one? Um, I can't remember now. But she, you know what's ironic is she reminded me of Naomi Watts. And she picked some really interesting stuff in her career, too, Layla Hyams did. Yeah, yeah. It's, it didn't, didn't know Naomi Watts, I think. In, I know you haven't seen the film, but I think she was almost that same exact costume in the King Kong movie. That hat, cool. those old school hats and stuff. Maybe yeah, I don't know. I can't cool. remember. Didn't know that. I don't really have any more notes. Um, actually, those are all my notes. Okay. For this film. I had one more of just discussing Long Pig, which yeah, <laughs> yeah, they bring up the Long Pig, don't they? Yeah. <laughs> it's always nice when they bring up the Long Pig. <laughs> um, as as always with the Moreau stuff, with a lot of stuff. Uh, that that was my intro to my review right there. But the Cham, <laughs> Sammy's turn. Uh, the man-animal thing always interests me. Uh, this is kind of like the reverse. This is more animal turned to man. But still, the savagery, it still interests me. The human emotion, things like that. I really like the scene where Lawton is going to go back out and he's going to go after the... Uh, or he's going to 
Yeah, he's going to go out and kind of confront the... Uh, you all right, buddy? My back's fucking sore today, man. Yeah. He's going to he's gonna go out and uh, confront the uh, the beast. And uh, the his assistant, Maling, or Maling or something like that, goes with him. And I like that scene where that guy goes, the faithful dog, to the end. Because it was, oh, yeah. you know, it was when it was his dog, and he turned it into a servant, mm-hmm. uh, which is just crazy. Um, yeah, but Lawton is having a, a good time in this. He's got his whip. He's uh, oh, yeah. he's just having a blast, you know. <laughs> got his white suit. He's uh, everybody's wearing white in this film. It's a very popular color. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot new, man. He's a uh, like about fashion plates. Yeah, white suit <laughs> yeah. eighty years ago. The only thing he needed was that like safari hat that they wear, you know, the, the, in those old school films. But he didn't wear it. But, Sadly, no monocle either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that would have been awesome. Him with a monocle. But <laughs> there are um, there are stories to be told. H.G. Wells was still well and alive at this point, and uh, he did not like this film. Supposedly, he absolutely hated oh, wow. it. As a matter of fact, uh, I don't know if H.G. Wells ever would have loved any version of his film. That's probably. You know, a fair thing. It's hard for a, a writer to give up a baby. Yeah. You know. And I and I know that he originally wrote his book as kind of like a statement against a certain medical practice that was going on. It was either dissection or maybe it was vivisection where you, where you cut people open while they're alive. I can't remember what it is. But he had issues with it. And like a lot of his stuff is political in some ways. And he kind of was getting out there that, you know. And that's kind of why he wrote Moreau, and it's become this kind of classic novel. But at the time, he was just trying to make a a statement to, you know, maybe stop this practice because it wasn't doing anybody any good or something. So, anyway, that's a little too deep for this morning. But uh, but it is interesting that he didn't like the film at all, and it and it did just kind of disappear. It's and it, it's weird because like Earl C. Kenton, he's not known as a great filmmaker, but some of these workman directors, every now and then, they you know they'd get the right material in their hands. And they'd make a, a pretty solid film. And this is Kenton's most, well, I don't know if it's his most well-known film, but it might be his most respected film. Uh, I'd look through his filmography. I don't really see anything else other than the Frankenstein and Dracula pictures that really kind of draw my attention. And, and I recall being talked about much. I'm sure there's some other good movies in there, but nothing that really kind of speaks to cinephiles, right? No, exactly. So there's nothing really much in there. Uh, another interesting thing about Richard Arlen, the lead, he actually was a pilot. I know this in real life, and he actually was flew the planes. He was in he was in the Wings, Wings. film, yeah. And he and actually and he actually was flying his plane. And he was yeah. actually in that movie. He was actually flying, which is if you ever seen Wings and you've seen the flying sequences, they're insane. Yeah, I've never seen it. I'm familiar with those sequences. It's like uh, so. Another thing people don't know is that Fabio Testi is a, a certified pilot, and he flies the helicopter in. Uh, it's heroin busters. Nice, nice. I didn't know that. Yeah, man, he's a fucking good pilot, dude. Hey, nice, nice. I know John Carpenter's a helicopter pilot. I no way. Yeah, he knows how to fly him. No, that man, that guy loves his loves his weed. I can't believe he, uh, <laughs> <laughs> he fucking flies. Flies like an eagle. Didn't know he could fly a plane. <laughs> wow. Um, there are also rumors, and it's never been confirmed, but uh, it's always interesting to talk about the background of this film as well. That. There's also rumors that Randolph Scott, Alan Ladd, and Buster Crab are all in the Beast cast. No way. As background actors. Oh, wow. That's fantastic. It's never been confirmed completely, but they they still, they're still like this, you know, it's like one of these Hollywood legends. Oh, that's really cool, man. That those guys are really in the background. Cool. So I don't know, but, it, you know, again, it's never been confirmed, but 
you know, there is a lot of act because they got a pretty big cast in the background playing the Beast Men. So it's possible that those guys in 1932, it's possible those guys are in the background because I don't think, I think I can say safely, yeah, Crab Buster Crab was not a big yet. Um, he hadn't done any of the Flash Gordon or the Tarzan stuff yet. Um, so all of his roles before this were all uncredited as well because uh, he was a champion swimmer. So it's possible it's not one of those champion swimmers. Him and Bud Spencer should have done a film together. <laughs> um, so it's possible he was in there. Alan Ladd, I'm looking at his filmography to see when he really started kicking in. And uh, it's possible him, too, because he was uncredited in all of his first roles in 32, and he started in 32. But these guys would never admit to this. And, of course, Randolph Scott is the great white hat Western actor of all time. He did some great work yeah. um, with uh, Bud Budakir. Yep. And, uh, of course, it would be fitting if he was in there, too, because he was very much uncredited in most of his early roles, too. But he did a lot of stuff in the early time. But once he became, like, a Western actor, he became, like, between him and John Wayne, the, those are the Western actors of the 40s and 50s, uh, especially as far as White Hat, Black Hat goes. Um, yeah, but uh, that's interesting as well that they might be in there. I always have fun trying to kind of maybe pick them out, but the makeup's pretty good, so it's kind of it's kind of hard to tell who's who. So it'd be impossible to kind of figure it out. But I don't know if anybody's ever figured it out. But yeah, this film's good, man. Uh, it was fun to revisit. Uh, it is interesting though because it is old school filmmaking. There's no music except for the opening and the ending, and, and the the um, Coxbar piece. Yeah, well, yeah, and the Coxbar song in the middle. Lawton breaks down and starts jamming some guitar. Uh, Lota at his feet. <laughs> <laughs> so, like the fucking uh, Chevy Chase poster for uh, vacation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, no, it was it was it was good to revisit. Um, for me, I hadn't seen this since ages ago, and I remember seeing it. And I remember I was younger when I saw it. And I remember being freaked out by the Bella Lugosi close up. <laughs> yeah. Because I was like, man, that beard went wrong. <laughs> You know? <laughs> I've met dudes with beards like that, man, that grow up on their cheeks like that, man. It's like, dude, you're a hairy motherfucker. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah. Close to their eyes. But, uh, yeah, it, it, it is a good film, and uh, it's a good short 70 minutes, too. It moves along pretty quick. Um, I haven't got into the special features either, but it looks like it's pretty loaded. It's got some good interviews on it. looks like uh, John Landis and Rick Baker and Bob Burns are on there at one point. And, and even Richard Stanley. Yeah, who, Richard, yeah, you know, got knocked out of the uh, the remake. So yeah, Richard Stanley's completely obsessed with the Island of Doctor Moreau, anyway, though. So, but he's a very interesting dude. <laughs> he's a bit a bit eccentric, to say the least. Certainly, but there's some other people on there too. David Scalls on there, the author who uh, is probably he's my favorite author when it comes to classic horror. Mm-hmm. Uh, he wrote a great book called The Monster Show. If any of you guys haven't read it, check it out. But yeah, that's my thoughts on uh, Alan Lost Souls. What do you got for make or break scores and whatnot? Make or break. Um, there's a scene when um, Moreau and, um, gosh, uh, our hero, um, I can think of his name now. Uh, Edward Parker. Parker. When they're talking, it just it's one of those scenes where it's it's where we really see how kind of unrepentant, kind of unhinged, kind of childlike glee. Moreau has and it's at that point you kind of realize oh boy what like you were really in for something here and I think off screen you hear like screaming or something and it's just it's a really chilling moment and yeah. especially when you realize that someone is oblivious and quite the 
you know, quite. Um, oh, remind me to tell you something really cool off the air when you finish this review. All right. Uh, I went to tell Chris last night. Fuck, Chris. When you hear this episode, send me a message. Stop what you're doing and send me a message. You're gonna get a real big kick out of it. Um, uh, but that scene when the, he's just completely oblivious. Yeah. The house of pain. Yeah, <laughs> it's really fantastic. Um, my MVT is Lawton. Um, nice. As much as I want to go with the makeup, man, it's so good and it's really cool. And yeah, it is good. when they look in the camera, which probably wasn't a big technique at the time, it's almost like the opposite of, you know, that was probably really frowned upon. I think it's a pretty brave uh, thing to do, but but Lawton really pulls it for me because um, Parker is pretty vanilla, you know. Yeah, um, yeah, he's very vanilla actually. Uh, Richard yeah. Arlen, the actor, did a lot of yeah, westerns and stuff. He was always pretty vanilla, good-looking yeah. guy, just you know. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, my score thumbs an eight out of ten. I really, oh, really nice. liked it. It's um, nice. It's one I definitely want to. Um, I want to watch again and again. I was really tired when I'd seen it, so I think it could probably even go up a little bit more. It's especially in the context of what it means to history, because this reason, like, even like Blade Runner, which is you know, in my opinion, the best science fiction film. Well, maybe that in two thousand one, but mm-hmm. uh, it just it says so much about you know what makes human, and it it's really fantastic. So yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, I make a break. I like the scene where Moreau and Parker are walking through the jungle to kind of like set up the whole jungle aspect. I like that because Moreau's like using the whip. Yes. <laughs> he's cracking me up, man. He's like whipping every flower he can find. He's like, oh, I don't like that flower. Whoosh, whoosh, you know, he reminded me of my wife running through there. <laughs> <laughs> no, I shouldn't say that. Um, but no, I really like the scenes with Moreau and Parker. I'm with you there because I think even though Parker's very vanilla, because Lawton is so kind of bizarre in his performance, that Parker's vanilla-ness kind of works. And, and the scenes with them, too, are really good together. And also, we should give a little bit of credit to the guy that played Mr. Montgomery. He's pretty good, too. Arthur Hole. Oh, yeah. Uh, he's pretty good. I like him because he's like this drunk character who he's kind of got himself in a situation where he doesn't really like what he's doing. But he, I guess he sees no, no, no other way of doing anything. So, But he has an interesting character arc. And for those of you familiar with the story, you'll know what that arc is. Uh, my MVT is also Lawton. Um, I don't see how it couldn't be. I mean, he's. I agree with you. The, the only thing that comes close to that is the makeup. As far yeah. as the, the thing to talk about when you talk about Island of Lost Souls. Um, but Lawton is so spot on. There's so many scenes where he's kind of doing this. And he was bisexual in real life. And also it should be said, I don't know if you know this, but he was married to the actual bride of Frankenstein. He was married to Elsa Lanchester. Lawton was? Yeah, he was. He was married, but he was uh, one of these guys that I think got she married. He was a beard. Yeah, I think yeah, I think he got married for cover. But he but he went both ways, supposedly. So. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. So, you know, uh, he, he had fun. You know, yeah, he had fun. 63 yeah. years old when he died, and he just had a good time. Fuck man, I didn't. That's very cool, man. He was married to the Bride of Frankenstein. That's really cool. Yeah, he's, he has an interesting. He's an interesting dude. He really is. You know, um, but sometimes he he's one of those actors, man. Who sometimes he's like one of the greatest actors of all time. I think, and then sometimes I think, wow, he's one, one of the worst actors of all time. <laughs> <laughs> so he's one of those guys. Um, my score for the film is right with you, man. Eight out of ten. Uh, nice. It's awesome. We agreed on just about just about everything, really. Uh, I'm glad you liked it because you know, again, when when you, we select. Or program a show you always kind of especially if it's stuff you've seen you kind of always worry you're putting your babies out there a little bit oh yeah you're putting your nuggets on the on the grill you're hoping your nuggets <laughs> you know <laughs> so it's a uh, good you dug it and uh yeah i definitely recommend people buy the blu-ray because uh, it's very cool uh, it's not going to be like the blu-ray you show your friends and say and they say holy shit uh-huh. but it is packed and it is awesome 
to have it on Blu-ray. I just can't believe I live in a world where I have a high-definition version of Island of Lost Souls. <laughs> it's just I know it gets crazier every time I think about some of this stuff. High-definition version of M and all this. I don't know. Just crazy. All right, we're going to take a short break. Come back, and uh, Will's going to drop some knowledge on me off the air that is tantalizing for all you guys now. <laughs> and uh, we'll talk joysticks, which is uh, completely and totally similar to uh, Island of Lost Souls. Awesome video games. <laughs> so we'll be back right after this. It was a childhood corrupted by endless hours of VHS rentals. We're sick to manage it. You'd love it. In his most formative years, he had seen it all. I could handle anything. Action. Karate is not to be used aggressively. But if I have no other choice. Horror. (laughs) And romance. Now, he's decided it's time to go back. For just one more adventure. Humans are such easy prey. Noel Miller presents... You're the problem, you little shit. The Adventures in VHS Podcast. Join me, Noel Miller, as each month I take an in-depth look at one movie from my collection of ex-rental 80s VHS classics and speak to one or two of the people involved with making them about what the format means to them. The Adventures in VHS Podcast. Thank you. Have a nice day. Download today from iTunes by searching for Adventures in VHS or visit adventuresinvhs.com. the same break two weeks in a row i don't care <laughs> that was uh uh our good friend scott's band again so it goes in the dark jamming i got i gotta say to noel i don't know if i was supposed that's one of my favorite promos i love that promo yeah that's noel and uh i believe it's reverend scott helping him out there he helps him out on some stuff but it is it's a great promo him they're doing that show and him and mike got a side off i don't know if i ever mentioned this on the air but him and mike from chinstroke versus Party, they got a a side project they do now. I think it's either once a month or once every two weeks called What's Your Damage? And it's pretty cool. It's only... The the whole... The gist of the show is they only cover 80s films. They cover one 80s film that one has seen but the other hasn't. And uh, a piece. They do three films a show. Uh, so it's vice versa. Like So if it's like me and you, we cover one film that I've seen, you haven't. You've seen, I haven't. And then they cover one film that neither one of them seen from the 80s. Uh, so it's nice. pretty interesting because they do stuff like Caddyshack and stuff like that. And it's pretty interesting to hear their takes on these films that they missed during their youth. Oh, very cool. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a good show. Check it out. What's Your Damage? It's only got two episodes out right now, but they're great episodes, by the way. And I love the rating system, which is uh, gnarly or bogus. <laughs> oh, good. Very good. Very, 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 very good idea there. I was like, did you, th- did you find this gnarly or did you find it bogus? <laughs> <laughs> good stuff. All right. So uh, our next film is Joysticks. Um, this is cinema at its highest class order. 
when a local when a top local businessman and his two bumbling nephews try to shut down the town's only video arcade, arcade employees and patrons fight back. Yeah. <laughs> so this is another one of those uh, Save the Rec Center films from the 80s, essentially. Um, this film has a soft spot for me. I understand the type of films it is, the type of film it is. Um, but if if you look at Graydon Clark's filmography, a lot of his films have soft spots for me. You know, they, they he just was making the kind of movies I wanted to watch at the time. Uh, I still want to talk to him at some point in time because he's a very uh, interesting dude to talk to. Like, uh, oh, he worked in a lot of different genres. In fact, this is his second appearance on the show. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And uh, we'll be doing more of his stuff too because there's some other stuff in there I would like to. Uh, to talk about and he also did the infamous final justice with the you motherfucker you son of a bitch <laughs> <laughs> so uh we'll, we'll be talking some more greg and clark but uh yeah so we got uh this film to talk about here let's hear what you got to say about it sure um so yeah it's our second clark after uh predator predator um without warning mm-hmm. so you know Graydon clark he uh, to me often feels like uh you know, he's kind of like a like a Jack Starrett or a Jack Hill or these guys that worked in the 70s and the, well, some of them in the early 80s um, in just a wide variety of genres. And they were really good, competent filmmakers that made a lot of different stuff. Mm-hmm. This film very much is capitalizing on a craze, um, a pop cultural phenomenon with video games, with completely awesome video games at that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is a time that 83, very nostalgic for us. I would have been, you know, three, four years old. You would have been about, what, 10, 11? Yeah, so you can see where it really hit me. Cause, uh, oh, yeah. totally. Yeah, 10 or 11, I think, is about, yeah. I probably saw it when I was like 11, 12. Yeah, so it's, uh, it's, it's very nostalgic. This is, this is the era of just the height of nostalgia for me. Uh, when I was a boy, wide-eyed, same with you. Arcades, unfortunately, I mean, they're still around a little bit, but... Um, Arcades will never see them the way that we saw them as boys. And I remember this, the cheesy, sweaty smell. And like we've often joked about here, the, the belt that the, the guys that would work the room would have with the quarters. And <laughs> fastest draw in the West is zinging quarters out. And, yeah. You know, it's, uh, I think Scorpion releasing put this out too as an aside. And when I think of this film too, I think of Roop. Oh, yeah. I, Roop's the video game aficionado. Yeah. Uh, I told Roop. Um, that uh, I watched this film again recently, and I thought of him the entire fucking time. Yeah, because he collects. Oh, I'm not giving anything away too personal here. He collects video games. Like, what are they called? Not tabletop, um, countertop. Is that what they're called? Uh, yeah. Well, essentially, he collects the. Let's just say he collects the standalone units themselves. I mean, the yeah. actual arcade video standalone boxes he collects. Yeah, he he does. So I, I the whole time I thought of him, and you know, this film starts. You got the intro, and they're cutting in footage from like. Um, what is it? To pole position immediately. Yeah. Um, I think was it Minesweeper? Um, Moon Patrol. Moon Patrol. That's what it is. Yeah. I used to dig uh, Moon Patrol, man. Yeah. There's a lot of great stuff. Uh, Pac, of course, Pac Man. It was a, a Galaxy. No, that's a movie. <laughs> it's, uh, a good, it's a not very good, but Sammy loves movie, too. <laughs> it's out on Blue, ironically. I know. <laughs> so, yeah, but there's still a lot of the early video games. And it's funny because watching this, I remember when I, and we've even said this on the air. Uh, late 80s were my video game times. So I remember Double Dragon blowing my mind. Oh, yeah. Still probably a top three all-time favorite video game. And I remember when playing Double Dragon for the first time, being floored by how cutting edge the the, the, um, the, uh, 
the graphics were. Yeah. You think about Double Dragon, too. It's it's so much a GGTMC type game. Oh, yeah. Isn't it, oh, man? A couple brothers, you know, running around yeah. fighting these dudes. <laughs> Fucking vests, no shirts. <laughs> a lot of muscle men with mustaches, balls. Even the ripoffs are GGTMC, the Akari Warriors, and the, uh, the bad, bad dudes. Bad dudes, yeah. Final bad Fight dudes. was probably the one that I loved uh, close to as much. Yeah, I like that one a lot, and I liked uh, Streets of Rage a lot. Streets of Rage was cool, yeah. Um, but yes, the, the 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 theme for this, because I'll try to zip through here, the theme for this is um, is like the poor man's Kenny Loggins, you know, like I've already said a few <laughs> times, proclaiming totally awesome video games. <laughs> it's uh, it's yeah. very much, yeah, early 80s, <laughs> homeless man's Loggins song. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it's funny too when our... Um, hero of sorts uh what is it who's the nerd uh, is that eugene? oh that is uh, yeah eugene groby who played by leaf green who was in uh a few films uh he was in greece too notoriously he's one like the he was like the geeky member of the uh the t-birds nice. uh played davy jaworski in that but he didn't do a whole lot of stuff but evidently he uh he uh helps uh he's like one of the uh, the original like grassroots guys that helped out with like aids uh benefits in hollywood and stuff oh wow cool so he must have right. a personal connection there of some sort but anyway yeah, he, he does a lot of work in that it doesn't work in movies anymore good for him um not for the movie just for the, <laughs> the community work he did oh, yeah um but yeah he rocks a bow tie and an argyle sweater and you fast for 30 years and it's like man all the hipsters are wearing that now yeah i know i was sitting there thinking it looks like dwight howard now right yeah, totally, man, totally. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because he looks almost like when Jerry Lewis nerds himself up, he looks almost like Jerry Lewis. Yeah, he does. And he, he plays the role a lot like a Jerry Lewis role, too. It's very Jerry Lewis in a lot of ways. Not at, I mean, not quite as good as Lewis played it because Lewis yeah. kind of cornered that, right? Totally. But it, you could definitely tell this is like if they would have been made in that time and or if Jerry Lewis would have been 20 years old at this time, he would have been that character. Yeah. And uh, he does good. Uh, the, the 80s nerd is a special kind of nerd. Yeah, Eddie Deason being the the quote unquote the '80s nerd, yeah, and arguably John Grise in this against King Vidiot, arguably the '80s punk. And, yeah, he's pretty uh, he loved the King Vidiot. <laughs> pretty insane to think that that's Uncle Rico. <laughs> yeah, I, know. I know for those who love uh, Napoleon Dynamite. <laughs> <laughs> you, and, this is Uncle Rico, like you've never seen him before. Yeah, he's also the Wolfman in Monster Squad. Yeah, which is very cool, man. Yeah. Very cool. He's a guy that I didn't realize. I didn't realize that having never seen Joysticks until now. But Monster Squad is easily a top five film from my childhood. So yeah. I remember you know, going to the, the the prison or the jail. He was on. Uh, he was on Lost too. Yeah, remember yeah. He played the janitor dad. Of, That's right. Of uh, of uh, who again? I can't remember exactly, but you know, I we, remember the flashback. He has a tie to our show. He's actually the son of uh, Tom Grease, who directed Breakheart Past and A Hundred Rifles. Oh, very cool, man! Very cool. I did not know that. Now, I didn't know that until I watched this film. Oh wow! I was like, I'm gonna look up some stuff about John Grease because he's done a lot of stuff. He's one of you know, quote unquote, those guys you see in movies. Mm-hmm. And totally. then I look through and I see that he's the son of Tom Grease, and I'm like, why do I know that name? And then I thought, well, fuck, we've covered two Tom Grease films on our show. It's crazy, man. Yeah, it is nuts. Wow. Yeah, that's that's really cool. Really cool. Um, but yeah, he's he's very much a hey, it's that guy kind of actor. Yeah. Um, we get Pac Man screen wipes in this. 
<laughs> yeah, this must have been before like copyright infringement or something. I don't know how he got away with that. I don't think he. Well, no, no. Actually, I think I, I read somewhere a long time ago that Graydon Clark actually traveled to Nintendo and asked them if he could use. No, it wasn't Nintendo because did Nintendo make Pac-Man? Maybe they did. I don't think so. I don't know. Anyway, he had to ask for permission to use it, and they let him. Nowadays, you know, oh. that would be a whole big investment, right? Oh, huge. Yeah. What's cool, too, is that John Grease did a four-episode run on 90210 <laughs> playing Dope Dealer slash Mr. Trilling. Yeah. yeah he was Emily, in, we have to find this. He was also in what I consider a very underrated sequel, which was uh, Fright Night Part 2. You remember him in that? Yeah. Good man. I forgot all the stuff he's in. He's been in a ton of shit, man. Wow. Yeah, if you're if you're a kid that grew up in the seventies, eighties, and nineties, running scared, he was in. Yeah, he's he's been in so much shit, man. Real genius, fuck. Yeah, he's been in a ton of shit. Yeah, I love him in Real Genius. Yeah, <laughs> wow, good stuff. Yeah, him and uh, John Deal, the one guy who plays one of the other uh, nephews. That guy's been in a ton of shit too. Mm-hmm. He plays the one with where's the uh, the crazy blazer. I don't know what kind of blazer that is. No, oh, I know. And the ball cap. No, with the I'll tell you, I love that at California Angels ball cap. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> Because I had that ball cap when I was younger. And not only did I have that, but I don't know if you remember this. That hat just smashed me with nostalgia because I remember going to Dairy Queen. There was a time when you could get a Sunday and it would be in those little mini plastic baseball caps. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I remember. And I remember getting the California Angels one, the Detroit Tigers one, Kansas City Royals, uh, mm-hmm. the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember those, man. One of our uh, local, uh, I don't know, this is a place called Grader's Ice Cream Parlor here in, in, in where I'm at. Yeah. They have brought back the baseball caps this past year. Oh, wow. I would love to get some. I just, I love those. I wish I had hung on to them. Probably cracked them all like an asshole when I was I used, five. I, we would get ice cream in those, and then we would use them for cereal bowls. Nice. We kept them, and me and my brother would use those for cereal bowls. So we ate Very out of those nice. things like every morning growing up, man. Very good. Oh, that's I forgot, cool, man. I forgot all about those, man. That's talking about nostalgia. You really hit me with one this morning. Yeah, well, as soon as I saw the hat, the angels hat, I had to, man. Yeah. Um, God, who's the fat, greasy fuck uh, in this? Um, <laughs> Joe Don Baker? <laughs> no. <Yeah. laughs> oh, no. Uh, Jim Greenleaf is the Jonathan Andrew McDorfus. McDorfus. This feels almost like a, like a trauma film in some ways. Yeah, he, he did. He was in Surf 2. Uh, which oh, we'll cover nice. at some point on the show, but he he does. I mean, obviously he's a he's a hardcore rip on Bluto from Animal House. I mean, totally, you, you can totally tell that they they fashioned him after Bluto as this uh, thing. I do like that he was the class president like two years before, and then video games turned him into this fat slob who eats ketchup and cookies. <laughs> Ugh, I know. Uh, yeah, the, the idea of ketchup and chocolate maybe makes me want to barf. Seriously, yeah, me too. Like, the, like, like the like the girls in the uh, like Tully Barf, like oh, gross. Yeah, it is awful. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he's he was in he was in some films. He did a few things. Uh, I'm trying to think of some of the stuff we may have seen him in. Uh, no, he did the first Toy Soldiers, not the the Sean Astin joint. Yeah, and he was in Surf Two. I remember him in Surf Two, but looks like he was in Evil Speak, which has kind of got a notorious uh, thing. He was the second reporter in John Carpenter's Elvis movie, so he worked with John Carpenter. Nice. <laughs> so that's Pretty interesting. Smart. I didn't yeah. know that. <laughs> Corp. Yeah. Did a few things. Did a few things, um, but it looks like he disappeared. But hey, I'd say if there's anything, this is the role that he would be known for. Yeah, probably the so. The farting McDorfus. <laughs> oh, man. He Always. has Cinematically, he has possibly the most powerful farts of all time. Yeah. Pretty cabbagey. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I love that, you know, that the, they, they have weight to them. <laughs> they do. 
Yeah. He's always, he's always shitting his pants, man. Um, there's the most inept use of tongs, like food tongs, in the history of cinema. <laughs> oh, you know what? I, I love what I love about that moment is 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 that they flip a hot dog into uh, that's Becky LeBeau. Uh, yeah, who is quite famous? Uh, well, she's quite famous for her boobs, mm-hmm. and uh, she did a lot of like really bad cinema. <laughs> but oh, yeah. uh, um, that I love that they <laughs> that they celebrate that everybody around the whole thing celebrates that the hot dog went into her cleavage and that she's not going to get it out. No, and he doesn't just reach in and grab it. Why not just reach in and grab it, dude? Yeah, this is oh, before no. sexual harassment. I said a tits on her, man. Ooh, yeah, Becky LeBeau. You check, uh, look into her filmography. You want to see them? They're out there. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, we talked a little about. We just talked about King Grease. King Grease. <laughs> John Grease is King Vidiot. Um, this is yeah. This is very much a film. I think we talked about this just before we did the film. When we started about how it's very much a film in its own universe that has its own logic and its own set of rules, which is very much the 80s. Oh, with 3 o'clock, I was mentioning it. Yep. Um, but yeah, very much so. And I even love the King Vidya's given like his own sort of show enough esque entrance. <laughs> I mean, not quite as much fanfare or respect, but it's still there. Yeah, yeah. He's got like, a little that little radio, which is like ahead of its time, right? Because you know, nowadays everybody carries around those little radios. Yeah. Oh, I know. I'm uh, doing Google image search of Becky LeBeau because I just want to. Nice. I don't blame you. I want to, too. Um, there's a hot tub in a van, which is great. Yes. That's awesome. That van is awesome. Yeah, it is. It is a super van. And, of course, um, our nerd hero falls in head first from the top. Yes. And he gets, you know, falls in the drink and struggling to get out. and um, That's the way it goes. So yeah, I love the uh, what does this say? Titty. It, it only has a hot tub, but it has carpet and a hot tub in the inside. That, that's pretty. That's pretty bold. Oh, totally. Because the wet, you know, the moisture, Ooh, some mildew going on. If you're going to say titty, anything, I mean, Jesus, I mean, there's titties within the first. The titty quotient. <laughs> the titty quotient is high in this film. Pretty good. Yeah, there's a bit of a gap near the middle, but yeah, yeah. no pun intended. Hey, I just found out Scott McGinnis, who I think he's the the reluctant. Uh, um, How do you do a Google image search for Becky LeBeau and you get pictures of Mike Tomlin? <laughs> good question. That's a very good question. I want to know who tagged that fucking picture. <laughs> Jeez. Oh, and I do want to say happy belated birthday by one day to patron saint Henry Silva. Yes. Um, but uh, Scott McGinnis, who's in this, he plays like the reluctant, uh, what's, what would be the term, not vendor, um, employee? Yeah, yeah, he's well. His grandpa owns the video arcade. Yeah, yeah. He uh, he has the same birthday as me. Oh, look Except at that! He's born he twenty-one does. years. He's only twenty-one years old, and he looks nothing like he did when he was in the eighties. No, looks like he he's had a little almost. had some work done, maybe. Yeah, maybe so. I like I like uh, his character because I like the kind of arc. Uh, I like in these eighties movies that like they have their own myths. Mm-hmm. Like this yeah, whole totally. They have that whole love scene with easily the most candles I've ever seen <laughs> in a video game arcade. Remember all those candles they had in there? Yeah, pretty amazing. <laughs> if that had been a woman's idea of a sex scene, then I could understand. But that he's reminiscent about it and they have all those candles lit, cracks me up. Oh, I know, man. Well, good old uh, <laughs> um, John Deal's upcoming film, Gabe the Cupid Dog. 
Wow. Yeah, John Deal's never met a paycheck he couldn't cash either, man. Good character actor. He was pretty young in this. Um, we get a, a pretty pretty great combo in this one. The fakest beard uh, combined with the ugliest tranny in the history of cinema. <laughs> Miss Tranny is like a really ugly version of Alexis Arquette. Yeah. Even even Joe Don Baker's hotter. Yeah, <laughs> for real. On a switchblading in this. Oh yeah, man! Switchblades. Every time you turn around, there's a switchblade coming out. Yeah, there is. Lotto hijinks. Lots of hijinks in this film. <laughs> Shenanigans do ensue. They got this weird orb joystick that they're always using. I don't know that I've ever seen one of those in real life. No, I think that's a movie convention, right? Um, mm-hmm. That's kind of like they call it the arena. That's very much the wizard feels like it was. Uh, yeah, burrows yeah. from this, especially that that big sort of showdown scene. But with that, you know, we get the power glove. Yeah, the most yeah. useless piece of equipment Nintendo <laughs> ever put out. Yeah. Well, you know, there's this there's this world of video games. When when I was growing up, video games was competition more than it was. Video games are narrative now. Mm-hmm. Uh, there still is comp- competitive video games. There's shooters and, and things like that. But most video games nowadays, they're a media thing. They're almost, they are, you know, they're, they're narrative-based entertainment now. Oh, they're very much the, the line between what is a film and a video game really does yeah. blur. And uh, actually, there's some video games that are better than most movies nowadays. So it's, 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 yeah. But back when I was growing up, it was all about high scores. So mm-hmm. I always loved the idea of the arena that, you know, you would... You would uh, you would have this place where everybody would watch two people go head to head on a video game, uh, yeah. uh, which always was like this childhood fantasy, right? And the joystick was ridiculous. This gigantic joystick with two buttons on it and stuff. And of course, Dorfus, he uh, he lets uh, you know he he's one of these badass video gamers who can let two characters die, two of his three men die before he actually kicks kicks ass in the game. You know, <laughs> it's one of those guys. Yeah. This should also be said. This is the second appearance of a film that was edited by Larry Bach. For our film, for our show, uh, probably maybe even more than that. But Larry Bach, uh, in my opinion, the most underrated editor of all time because he cut Stone Cold. Nice. <laughs> so he's got joysticks and Stone Cold to his credit. Very nice. It's <laughs> a nice pull. I didn't realize that. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. I was like, where do I know that name from? I was like, oh, I know that name. He also cut Bring It On, but hey, you know, it's and Breaking and Rambo First Blood Part 2. Oh, oh wow. <laughs> what a cool shit in there. Critters, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Holy cow. <laughs> yeah. Quite a bit, man. Very nice. Uh, one last note. Ooh. Didn't I know love- he did Rock and Roll High School. My bad. Oh, wow. He did a lot of shit then. That's cool, man. Right very, very cool. He did Alligator. So there you go. Holy fuck. <laughs> yeah, he'd be, he'd be something we can get on the show, man. <laughs> yeah. yeah maybe, we ought to, maybe we ought to hit him up. Good stuff up in this piece. Um, there's a great line with Jodan Baker and King Vidiot when uh, they're talking in, in Jodan's system. You know, we, we both have a lot in common. And King Vidiot says, we like to hang out in public bathrooms. <laughs> yeah, I love uh, Jodan's comic timing. He's like, no, no. I know, yeah. what, you're, I know what you're doing here, kid. <laughs> Good old this Jodan. This is the time when uh, um, Jodan was really cashing checks. Yeah, Joe Don, uh, he doesn't work often. Um, he's a great actor, but I don't think he really, I don't think it's his passion. I never really get the sense from Joe Don that it's his passion to act. I always just get the sense that he just, he does it whenever he needs yeah. some money. Yep. He's going to be in, uh, he's going to be in, uh, what's his name's new film though? I'm just, just pumped for it. He's in Jeff Nichols' next movie, Mud. Oh, wow. 
which is totally appropriate that Joe Don Baker should be in a Jeff Nichols home. Yeah. You okay over there? Is everybody moving around again? Oh, yeah, I'm waiting for you, dude. Oh, okay. Oh, you're done. Oh, you're done. I yeah, yeah, no, I said that was my last note. Oh, okay. Sorry about that. I just didn't want to interrupt you. <laughs> like I said, this is a Save the Rec Center uh, film. Um, cable staple for me growing up. Saw this a lot. <laughs> I could see that. Yeah, yeah. Like it was on cable a lot. And it, it mixed, you know, two things I loved, boobs and video games. I mean, heck, you know. Yeah, winning combination. <laughs> uh, Dorfus, even though he is working at the arcade and stuff, you would think he would have a little bit more etiquette than to spread popcorn all over the place. <laughs> Jesus. I mean, I understand that he works there, but come on. Clean your place up, man. Um, theme songs are another reason why I love the 80s cinema so much. I love that they would write a theme song for any movie. It doesn't matter what it was. You know, it's, it could be totally ridiculous or totally awesome in this case. Yeah. Uh, this film is featured heavily in the Destroy All Movies book. Um, Zach uh, Carlson, who's, you know, the main contributor to that, but also he's been on the show a couple times. He uh, loves Jonathan Grease in this, and uh, thanks King Vidi, it is, you know, he's like the quintessential punk in 80s punk cinema. In a lot of ways, he is, because it's, it's he's so punk in this. You know, he, They finally get some wheels, even. They get the penny racers there, the little, little pocket racers they get when uh, Joe Don Baker buys them. So, we need wheels, man. <laughs> so, uh, the same director of photography that shot this also shot Dolomite. So that's interesting. Oh wow! Uh, that's something you you know you got Dolomite on the uh, on the uh, cinematographer Nicholas Joseph von Sternberg, who shot. Yeah, I knew I knew that name, man. <laughs> who shot Dolomite? But he also shot Tourist Trap, um, Texasville. Yeah, time to wake up. All kinds of stuff. The guy shot a ton of stuff. Just uh. Ooh, I don't know. I've never, I never saw. I thought it said Detroit Nine Thousand, but it says Disco Nine Thousand. I don't think I've ever seen Disco Nine Thousand. Disco Nine Thousand. That's not another Rudy Ray room from. No, I'm thinking of Disco Godfather. No, this is not. Yeah, you're thinking of that. But this one sounds like it might be good because the tagline is "When he's in the groove, the mob better move." <laughs> <laughs> so we might have to look that one up. <laughs> but he uh, he did a lot of stuff. Uh, a lot of stuff that I think he yeah he'll be back on the show. Yeah, I'm looking through now. He'll be he'll be he'll come up again. But very interesting stuff. Um, it's just crazy you work with Bogdanovich. <laughs> That's nuts. I know, man. <laughs> um, but yeah, the uh, editor, like I said, the video games have come a long way. I'll say that. Uh, so his fashion, I should say. <laughs> it's changed quite a bit. Again, the Hawaiian shirt pops up, but this time at least it's not a scumbag. It's just a dirt bag. Uh, the the farting of the Dorfus characters, it's... Of course, it's 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 a uh, soft boorish, right? It's, it's a, you know, whenever you need a really lame joke, go to the fart joke. It always works. Mm-hmm. But uh, I did like the scene where Joe Don Baker's in bed with his wife. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, and you get the nice slow, long, loud fart, and the Joe Don Baker says, "Vivian, didn't you talk to the doctor about that?" Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and he doesn't want anything to do with his wife. He's like, "Take another pill, Vivian." <laughs> oh, I know. She looks almost like a. Like a blotchy skinned Grace Zabriskie with bad blonde hair. Yeah, or like a uh, what's that? What's the name of that one chick? Uh, that oh, uh, Kathy Moriarty mm-hmm. from like Raging Bull and stuff. So she reminded me of a little bit. Uh, uh, there's a nice call back to her toward the end of the film too. Yeah, that's uh, kind of funny. <laughs> and I also like that you know he uh, the nerd names his penis Simba. I was like, wow, I wonder if Disney people were watching this. Mm, no <laughs> might have been where it came from, man. Yeah, it might have been L- Easter egg. There, the one thing this movie is ridiculous. Okay, it's totally ridiculous. Um, it's it's totally a movie based in a world that doesn't exist anymore, 
and it's totally a cash in. This movie actually finished number one at the box office the week it came out. Wow. And that's crazy to think. <laughs> but uh, also, the silliest thing in this movie for me, out of all the silly things in this movie, is, well, there's a lot of messages coming in. <laughs> Lord. You okay over there, man? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, their plan to stop the goons from stealing the games, it makes no sense. Why, why, why let the goons load up the truck only to unload the truck? I, I don't know. I, don't, I, never, I never understood that part. I just think it's ridiculous. But No, I know. There is a few things that just kind of seem, I don't know. I, yeah, I don't really get them either. And that guy, that the other nephew, that, he was on uh, the Newhart show, that John Volstead guy. He played one of the other brothers, Daryl or whatever. So I remember him on that. But the girl that played Patsy, uh, I remember her in a lot of movies growing up in the 80s, man. The uh, kind of valley girl she was in this. In the 80s, she was in a lot of movies that I saw. Uh, Vice Versa, Joystick. She was on. She was in Surf 2 as well. And I remember her in, um, uh, what was it, Zapped, I think. And possibly, ooh, I just looked through here. She did an episode of Hardcastle McCormick, which is fitting, because I just watched that video that somebody posted on her page, and I watched the whole thing through. I forgot how awesome the Hardcastle McCormick theme song was. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, I, I think this is a, you know, it's a, it's a fun release. I don't think, uh, I think this is one of those ones, like, for me, this never has to be on Blu-ray, right? Like, every now no. and then we do these movies, and I think, you know, I'd like to have the blue of this. Well, this one never has to, because this DVD transfer looks just fun. It looks great, actually. Uh, this film's been well-preserved. <laughs> it, yeah, it has. And uh, it was fun. It was fun to revisit. It's a uh, it's a film heavy on nostalgia for some, for me in particular. Um, but it's a it's a goofy ninety minutes. It's uh, you know, it's, it's like I said, as Zom would say, it's fun. You know, it's fun. It's a fun movie. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I totally admit that the movie is not a great movie, but uh, I did have fun watching it again. Um, okay, what are your thoughts, MVT Maker Break? Um, I gotta hustle here. Make a break. Just to see the scene, the scenes with the arcades. Mm-hmm. Um, really good stuff. It, it brings back a lot of memories. MVT is the arcade setting again. I, I'm a sucker for that because it's something I grew up with. Um, scrub of the film. I don't see. I don't have the nostalgic tie you do. There's some stuff that works, but even something I watched a few weeks ago, like Screwballs, I liked better than this. Mm-hmm. I do like that they have they take away sort of the high school setting, the summer camp setting. Um, and they do put in an arcade, which is admittedly partially a cash-in because of pop culture. But I still like that. It's <clears throat> something a little different for the team. Just a sick comedy. Uh, my score of the film is a 5.75. Okay. 10. All right. So not a bad one. Like I said, I don't have the. I think if I had had the nostalgic tie, I could have probably pushed into seven territory. But yeah, it's. Uh, I came in a bit cold, unfortunately. So well, yeah. Understood. Understood. Um, my make or break: uh, the appearance of King Vidiot. I really like that. Uh, it's one of those great cinematic intros. It's a good intro. <laughs> Actually, I want to change mine to that. I do like that intro a lot. Yeah, the appearance of King Vidiot's pretty great. Um, my MVT is also the era this movie is set in. It's just so great. I mean, it just really kind of takes me back. My score for the film, uh, it's not much higher than yours because I don't think this is a great film. I just think no. it's a film that's totally made to cash in on something and it works for that reason. But it's only a 6 out of 10. Oh, okay. If I don't feel bad then, that's yeah, not yeah. bad, man. No, because that's, I mean, that's the level this film is made at. I don't think, yeah. you know, this This isn't, you know, <laughs> even with nostalgia, I can't give this film a 7 or an 8 because I don't yeah. think the film is that well made. I think it's competently made. Yeah. And entertaining, 
but I think there's a lot of dead weight in it too. So there, there are some things, in it, but it, but it is, a, it was a fun revisit because I, I swear I haven't seen this in 20 years. Uh-huh. So it was fun to kind of, and it was amazing how much I remembered. It was one of those films where I must have seen it so many times growing up that like I remembered every single beat. And I was like, Jesus, man, I really watched this movie a lot. Yeah, but it, it would make sense, right? Because I was 12, 13 years old. I had boobs, video games, you know. Cable TV. Yeah. And, you know, accessible. that genre of cinema, the sex comedy, is a genre that, that uh, I notoriously love anyway, even though I know mm-hmm. there's maybe two good films in the whole genre. Uh, two films that you would consider awesome films, but yeah, six out of ten. Uh, definitely nice. worth a pickup, though. Scorpion Race is nice. Uh, got a commentary from Greg Clark on there too, so and a nice on-screen interview too. So yep. yeah, Greg Clark always wearing the leather jacket and always wearing the shades. <laughs> All right, uh, so that's the big show this week. Um, you want to do pleasantries, or you have time? Or I do have to boogie. Um, my okay. son is awake. That's, my that's fine. Is awake and that's he fine. does not want to go back to sleep. So. Yeah, no, no, I know that feeling. Yeah. I got a feeling I'll be sensing that in about 20 minutes. <laughs> Call it a hunch. Um, okay, that's fine. Uh, next week, we hope to have Thomas Jane in the house. And uh, we'll see how that goes. If not, we'll you know post up somewhere that we're doing something else. But uh, that is pending, and hopefully that'll work out. Yeah, definitely. So, so yeah. everyone get some questions in if you want. Maybe we'll start a thread and we'll... Uh, yeah, we'll, you know, we'll do something like that. We'll pick randomly, maybe you know, two or three questions to ask. Yeah, we'll kind of pose them to him a little bit. All right, uh, I guess with that, I'll say I'm trying to think if there's anything else. I want to make sure there's nothing else before I get off here. Oh yeah, just definitely go to Diabog DVD. Make all your purchases there. Great prices, great deal. Use our code, which I don't know, but hey, do it anyway. All right, we gotta hit them up, man. I fuck, I can't believe I forgot that. <laughs> Yeah, I'll, I'll ask him the code next time. Well, you, you know what? When you send in your selections for next time, I ask him to remind you the code. When I have to, yeah. Because yeah, I think it's Gentleman 10. Or no. GGTMC 10. GGTMC 10, maybe. Yeah. All right, guys. Uh, that'll be it for the big show. Uh, with that, I will say adios. Adios. Thanks for listening. You can find the gentleman at ggtmc.com. You can call the gentleman at 206-666-5207 and you can email the gentleman at midnightcinema at gmail.com 